In a world where new streaming releases come out faster than you can watch them, two heroes will emerge to watch as much content as humanly possible. Together they'll help you decide what's worth watching and what's cluttering up your queue. Tune in as Adair and Skyler begin Gallantly Streaming. In his first stand-up special, Hassan Minaj weaves humorous and heartbreaking anecdotes to tell his life story as an Indian-American Muslim. Topics include racism, bullying, and meeting the demanding expectations of his immigrant parents. Today, on Gallantly Streaming, we're reviewing Hassan Minaj, Homecoming King. Dancing King. No. See that boy only 17. No, that's not. Mamma mia, here we go again. The mere fact of that shows you've never seen Mamma Mia. Mamma mia, here we go again. My, my, oh, I'm gonna kiss you. Okay, so you've, you've seen a trailer, cool. Or maybe I just am an ABBA fan. Maybe you are. So. Hassan Minaj ha- in May released this stand-up special. I wouldn't say it is a stand-up special as I have come to see stand-up specials. In the sense that there's not jokes. Well, there are, there are some jokes, but there are. It, it's hard to know how to react to a lot of it. I think you put it best when you referred to it as as a TED talk. Yes. It it feels kind of like that, but there's you know there's these very you know, these humorous moments, that he's, these anecdotes that he's talking about. But then it's like all of a sudden things get very serious very quickly. Like the, the moments that could have been like funny due to like self-deprecation get like real talk. And I think it's an important topic and I think it's a really important outlook. It was just sort of, it was an interesting thing to invest an evening in when you're like, oh yeah, I want to watch stand-up. But I mean, he's a he's a very funny guy, and I think it was a he has a very interesting point of view, and I'm glad that he did this. It was just it's definitely not. I would not say watch this if you're home and you're having a beer and you want to laugh. Don't watch it if you want to learn something about Muslim American culture. Then yeah, no, this is a good one for you. Yeah, it's definitely it's different. I think Netflix has released. A hundred comedy specials in the last three months. I believe the exact number is one million three hundred and sixty-two. They are just stand-up specials. I'm not sure how much these people are getting paid, or if it's like a penny per view, or how they're doing it, because they are just financing so many stand-up specials. I think they actually released fifty in one night recently. That's so, well, I mean, I look at my at my what's trending now, and it's just a constant slew of comedy specials. Right. I think, in fact, there's a comedy special out now. That's getting a lot of buzz because it's an anti-comedy special. Mm-hmm. Like it's this female comedian who is talking about like, don't be self-deprecating. Which uh, one is this one? Is I this think it was Nanette. Nanette. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we should probably go into it because Queer Eye just recently posted about it. Yeah, I'm, it's not supposed to be funny. Yeah, is... but like it be an int- after seeing like Mr. Rogers, it's a lot about like being better people, and so I think after uh, after seeing that Mr. Rogers film, I like being self-deprecating. I don't want to learn why it's bad. I, but it, it's just about learning different sides to things. It's not about stop stopping something. Right. I think this was actually about stopping racism, but you know. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because a lot of it is about the immigrant experience 
Mm-hmm. He was raised by a father who was an immigrant to the country. And I, I have to say his his childhood story was actually very, very interesting in that his father and mother were married. They moved to the U.S. and then his mom had to go back to to the village that they lived in. And then they had a kid, another kid and never told him about it until now, she moved there. I think I call bullshit on that story. I don't think that's real. Oh, I totally... I think that's for the story. No. I don't think it's physically possible for your mom to have, like, a five-year-old kid that she's raising in India, like, that's your sister, your father's daughter, that your father would have a child, and he doesn't have any pictures of her around the house. He doesn't have any sort of way of communicating with her ever. Like, I just... I call I, bullshit No, I'm not saying that it's that cut and dry, but what I'm saying is at that age, he probably did not process any of this. Like they you don't pro- think so? No, I do not think so. Because if the kid isn't there, then I, do you really think like a five-year-old could go uh, would like understand the idea that they have a sibling that they never see, like that that person is somehow inherently connected to them? Be a, a, because like I feel like I mean we both have siblings that are very close to us in age. I do, but I I mean a big part of that is I recognize she was my sister because she was in the house with me. She was doing all these things with me. We developed a dynamic because she was there like the day I was born. Okay, so you're you're saying that it's possible that the parents like told them about it. I like think when the probably... mom came to visit, she was like cool talking about her. And, like, the dad had pictures of her around the house. But he, it wasn't I like mean, this, I, it seemed he, like he they had a big family. it was a secret. I don't think it he was a secret. He said immigrants love secrets. I, I, I don't think it was a secret, but I think he was also too young to, and he thought, I, I think it was definitely an exacerbated idea that he, like, it was not as severe as he was saying, but I do 100% think that part of that is very, very true. It could be rooted in some truth. Because I think you have big families, too. And so the idea of, like, people being your family as opposed to people being in your nuclear family, that area gets blurry when you're young, especially when you and your dad are living in a completely different country from everyone else in your family. Right. So I think it's just, you know, we see things when we were kids that we totally have an idea of what happened. And that's probably not what happened. Like, I'm sure we thought we were super cool kids. No, I didn't ever think I was a super cool kid. I was but, well aware of my own coolness. But I'm saying that... Painfully um, aware. I think that, you know, there we kind of rewrite things in our childlike minds. And okay. so I think that... I think it happened. I don't think they never told him about it, but I think it was just not something that he ever processed until randomly this young girl shows up and, like, he hates her then. Okay. I'm going to do some research online. Do it. And I'll come back in the next podcast episode. But I think he's a liar. Mm, okay. But, I mean, I think comedians are allowed to lie in their stand-up. I think I've heard oh. comedians say, I was on a date last night with my girlfriend a million times. Man. There was those no date. Li- those lucky girls who got to go There was there. no date. The girlfriend's probably a wife by now, or broken up with, or they're gay. And there's just, like, comedians, there's a certain amount of, uh... What a creative liberty they're allowed. So if he wants to say that his parents didn't tell him about his, his sister, go for it. It's just interesting because his is less a stand-up special and more of like a, a autobiography. Yeah. And so it's a TED autobiography about what it's like to grow up the child of an immigrant in America. And I'm... specifically Davis County, or Davis, California, where the stand-up special was filmed. So it's interesting because it's kind of like a homecoming for him. He makes a lot of references and people are like, yeah! And it's like, okay, cool. (laughs) He's been on The Daily Show, which is... I've been not watching for 
years now. Has he been part of the Trevor Noah Daily Show? Yeah, he's in, he 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 did the transition. I'm pretty sure he was in both John Stewart and now is in Trevor Noah. Okay, because like I haven't been paying attention to Trevor Noah, so or the tail end of John Stewart, I suppose. Um, but so you know, Fred Rogers liked to like just let a little space in there, just a little mm-hmm. silence. He wasn't afraid of silence, so I'm just gonna let a little silence in there while I try and collect my thoughts. I just went completely blank. Do you guys want to know what a minute feels like? Okay, start on the clock now. Minutes don't feel like they used to. Damn it, Trump. Okay. What were we talking about? Hassan Minaj. Okay, so he's a Daily Show correspondent. That's kind of his big break. That's how he got onto the comedy scene. He's now he's going to be in that new movie with Mila Kunis. Um, he's in that, and then he was in Rough Night. The one that came out today. Oh, did it come out today? Is it Thursday? It comes out tonight. Yeah. Um, the spy who dumped me. He, yes, he is in that. Uh, he was in Rough Night. I didn't see it, but I know he's in it. So I mean, he's been playing like those. He's basically been doing what Aziz Ansari kind of did uh, ten years ago, like how he had that Randy. Bit, uh, how he had that part in Randy. So he had like the part in "I Love You, Man" and things like, and in uh, "Funny People," but he's you know not playing these bigger characters. So he, I feel like this was his first like real step of like this is me, not as a correspondent, not as a you know secondary or you know C story character. He's not just the Indian friend. He gets to tell his own story. Yeah, and so I think I mean I feel like he's trying to you know develop his own personality his own brand i think he there were some pretty funny moments that i enjoyed i really did like the relationship with his sister as she got they got older and right that i mean i as as you said like it's not 100 percent sure like what of his life was real and what wasn't as far as all the these anecdotes but I mean, his sister ends up being, you know, a huge support unit for him. And I think the evolution of that relationship throughout the special was something that I kind of recognized and related to. And I enjoyed it. I I think there's a lot of humor and also sadness in sibling dynamics. And so I do really enjoy getting to hear about those from different comedians. I, I think that there's no, like, one way a, a sibling relationship is. But I think there are these mirroring themes that often happen and so I enjoy that and uh so yeah but I think there are also like serious moments that were just really intense talking him talking about the reaction that people in his neighborhood had to them being Muslim after 9-11 um I mean it's very interesting also discussing the like the generational disconnects between him and his dad and how in some ways, like, how he handles things is better and how his dad handles things are better, like, in, in different circumstances and how he has a lot more anger about, like, racism and stuff like that. But his dad sees it as, like, well, this is... You sign off on this so you can have the Remember American dream. what his dad term. would say? Um, so, kuna matata. Yes. What a wonderful phrase. Yeah, just let it... Water on a duck's back, he would say. Just yeah. Roll off you. Yes, exactly. Um... And so, but like a lot of it that was interesting was he, he did a comparison because he just got married and his wife is Hindu and apparently that is not a thing people are really cool with in either Muslim or Hindu respective cultures. So to marry a Hindu when you're a Muslim is 
a big deal and uh right caused a schism of india and pakistan yeah a generation his, ago yeah his uh his little checklist of how they're different was great some like cartoons some don't like cartoons so mm-hmm. i mean there's comedy flushed into some weird and tricky situations and so i think it's i i i think it, it was a funny ted talk yeah about religion i grew up in a, a neighborhood or a community that had a lot of Western Asian, Southern Asian uh, influence, people moving in from India, Pakistan. And so you had a lot of kids that were first generation like he is. And so a lot of these things felt very familiar with the experience that I observed as a kid. I, uh, Because it's a podcast, people don't know this, but I am uh, Native American. And so I had a different experience growing up with my first generation Native American family. They left America in 1650 and moved to Denmark, and then in 1981, my parents, Chief Wahoo and uh, his wife, riding horses through meadows, moved back to Texas, and that's where I was raised as a first-generation American, Native American. And so, just all of us have these different experiences as youth, whether it's white like a dare, or my more much more interesting cultural background, Uh, If you see me, I look white, but it's just extensive, you know, cultural shaping by everyone I knew while I was being raised. But like I said, it's, it's just, it's a cool look inside what somebody else's life is like. And so for that, it's definitely worth listening to. Can we pivot really quickly, though, and talk about Daily Show Correspondence? Really? We just had a huge pivot. Okay, yeah, let's pivot over here. Thank you. Daily Show Correspondence. So, in the early, mid-2000s, we had Steve Carell. Mm-hmm. And Stephen uh, Colbert. We had Stephen Colbert, and then we had John Oliver. Mm-hmm. And I think at one point, all three of them were working on the show at the same time. I think that's possible. I think he, John Oliver came in at the tail end of Carell. And then Oliver hosted The Daily Show while Carell took a summer off to go make that you, terrible movie. You mean John movie. Stewart? John Oliver. John, yes, you, but you were saying John Oliver took over while Carell went to direct a movie. Right, he went I'm, to go make Evan Almighty. No, no, no. I'm saying you meant John Stewart. John Stewart went to go make his his prison Middle Eastern movie. He went to grow a beard. He really wanted to grow a beard, and it was a good excuse. Nobody liked his movie. It was a huge failure. Sad day for uh, John Stewart. But John Oliver took over for the summer. And that's when HBO if, was like Bing Bang. If comedy, or comedy Bang Bang, if Comedy Central had been smart, they'd have been like, you know, Steve, or Steve, Steve Stewart's not long for this world. <laughs> God damn it! He's probably wants to go like live on a horse farm in uh, upstate New York or New Jersey. I don't know where exactly he lives. He just lives with a bunch of animals. I know that. Um, he's probably gonna leave soon. We should probably get John Oliver locked down. Mm-hmm. But instead, they let him walk, and HBO saw him hosting The Daily Show and was like, ooh. We're going to let you swear, John. Not only are you going to swear, one episode a week. You get seven days to write an episode. Boom, boom, boom. And your set gets to be whatever you want. So you can choose every building you like in the world. That's right. And that's going to make a skyline. Is that the case? I've never Yeah, randomly there's like some buildings from like Game of Thrones in there. Yeah. Okay, so you have those like three big time, like one of the original Daily Coast or one of the Daily Show correspondents now hosts The Late Show. Like, that's uh, kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. And so then what's happened lately? Like, who are the most, so you had Samantha Bee. Mm -hmm. I'd say she's the fourth most famous 
Daily Show correspondent. Um, I don't know. I'd say her, Rob. I mean, now maybe, but Rob Corddry was pretty. And Ed Helms. Ed Helms was a Daily Show correspondent. Yeah, Ed Helms was. Larry Wilmore. Kristen Shaw. Mo Rocca. Oh, do you remember Mo Rocca? I do remember Mo Rocca. I like to listen to Mo Rocca. Mo Rocca sounds like a, a Muppet name. I lo- um, He's in a. Does he do? Is it? He does uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me sometimes, doesn't he? Yeah. He's, yeah, he's like, I love him. I love his... He also did like a... I think I love the 90s or something like strikes that. Strikes Back? Yeah. Yeah, Mo Rocca definitely was a big deal about a decade and a half ago. I just like that his name is kind of like Lou Zealand. It's like a country pun name. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, Larry Wilmore. But like, I just... Okay, so my point was going to be that it's slowed down. I'm still going to say it has because like we had like Samantha B, Jason Jones, Rob Corddry, Ed Helms... Larry Wilmore, Kristen Shaw. He's doing all of this from memory, by the way. Yeah. Like, this is Even, quite But, like, more recently, who's, who are, like, the people who are coming out of that farm system? Who are the people who are coming out of the, the Daily Show correspondence world? And I'd say that it's not great recently. I mean, you've like got... Like, the last five years, who? I think everyone's just... Yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you. Hassan Minaj is... Is maybe the person I know best. I think he is for me, too. He's I'm... coming to Dallas. Is he? That's cool. Good for him. I'm not sure I would go pay to see him. I, actually, I take that back. I know for a fact I would not go pay to see him. Yeah, I'm looking at the photo. He did the White House Correspondents Dinner? I'm looking at the photo of... So it's Desi Lydic, Jessica Williams, mm. Roy Wood Jr., Hassan Minaj, Jordan Klepper, Ronnie Ching, and, that, and, I mean, and then there's Trevor Noah. So, yeah. Ronnie Ching looks like Asian Jim. Okay. Do you remember when we saw Randall Park yesterday? Yes. That was pretty, pretty cool. cool. Thank you. So, uh, I mean, like, I have no I have no desire to do anything to do with The Daily Show today because I'm an avid Trevor Noah uh, hater. I think he's probably the worst possible host they could have chosen besides, like, Donald Trump. But we're stuck with him. I mean, I'm not sure they're going to Craig Kilborn him anytime soon, but one can hope. But in the meantime, we're stuck with Trevor Noah and thus a total lack of attention by me, which I'm sure The Daily Show doesn't care that I'm not watching. I bet their ratings are fine or they would have retooled at this point. But uh, as things are, they seem to be fine and they have a very diverse cast I was, of I was In that photo, I was looking at that. I was like, that is, that's a beautiful group of people. Which, if they would have done that at the beginning, where would we, would we have Stephen Colbert now? I don't know. Ooh, am I advocating for reverse... I, oh no! Okay, no, let's I don't. Step back. I think you're. I think instead you're... of Stephen Colbert, we'd have Ronnie Chang hosting the. That would be great. It'd be great if we had someone who's not white hosting a real. I would love that. I really, actually, would love to have a, a female talk show. Talk show on like the main network. I mean, like I do not love. Samantha I B. love Samantha B. I mean, I'd be down with her coming on to uh, having like a regularly programmed network show. I that... preferred her CBS sitcom, The Bee in Apartment Twenty Three. Oh my god. Don't, it's Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, but I'll give you that. Woo! That was sort of a placating five. That was a great joke five. Sure. Good up. Um, <laughs> no, it's, do, do you recommend it? Do you, how, where would you rate it? On a scale of one to 27 hot dogs. Okay. I'd give this like 12 hot, mm, 17 hot dogs. With but no mustard. No mustard. There's no mustard on this special. Like, okay, there I There isn't no I special have, sauce. No special sauce. I have, like, pretty... I don't want to sound uh, pretentious, so I'm trying to watch my words. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> um, 
my taste in comedy are very particular, maybe? Yeah, no, I think that's Particular what, is like I a... I think you and I both, I mean... Not, I have better taste in comedy than everyone else. <laughs> so you didn't want to sound pretentious with that? I'm leaning into it. Okay, lean into it. Yes, your taste is phenomenal. Refined to the point where I listen to hours of comedy podcasts a week. He does, that's true. Only the best, like 20 minutes of banter with the greatest comedians on earth. Um, and, ooh, that sounds sarcastic. Oh my God. <laughs> cut a, that out. S- no. Keep it in or cut that out. I don't care. I do listen to 20 minutes of banter, but I also like listen to... See, like, here's my thing. There's people who are famous comedians that aren't funny. Like, Mark Maron. I don't get it. But you but you love, like, Nicole Byer. Yeah, because she's hilarious. Yeah. And, like, she's not everyone's cup of tea, but, like, that's sort of more your taste. I guess my problem is I look at what people's cups of tea are, and in my opinion, my opinion... Yes, your opinion. I think opinion should be kind of like that. It should be like a possum. We should just cut that O off. In my opinion, people are either, like, they agree with me and they're right about comedy... Or people are wrong about comedy. Yeah. No. So people who think that uh, Jim Gaffigan's really funny, or Brian Regan, ooh, who else can I attack that is popular? Kevin Hart. Jim Den- uh, Jeff Dunham. Ooh, Jeff Dunham's a good one. So yeah, you so you don't like those kinds yeah, of yeah. I guess I, I, what you I'm talking like about now people, is comedy. You don't like the people that are like in your face. Hey, I'm being funny. Pay attention to me. Yeah, I guess I like a little subtler. Everything I'm saying is so. It's like a real asshat, but I like subtler humor. But I also like uh, Tim and Eric and Neil Hamburger. I think Neil Hamburger might be my favorite comedian on the planet. You uh, and five people who know who that is. People know Neil Hamburger. He sells out small venues. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, mean, but you would recommend this? I like things that skewer comedy. There you go. Like, even Nicole Byer. I feel like people like this, they see a stand-up special... And then they just kind of skewer it a little bit. Like uh, like uh, Bob Odenkirk, you know? Mm, yeah. Skewering it. Like Birthday Boys. Uh, birthday Boys. Whereas I feel like this is a first level of comedy. Then there's second level, then there's third level. And then fourth level. I feel like I learned a lot. I did. I, I, I feel like I know what it was like to be raised as a, an Indian child in America. Going to Home Depot on your birthday. Mm, yes, Home Depot on your birthday. If you want to understand what that reference is, watch this. 20 minutes of banter. That's not the theme song anymore. Banter, 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 Okay. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. You have to give your review. Oh, Did you like it? I mean, I think I said at the beginning. I enjoyed Score? it. It's not, it's not, um. Good. Uh, uh, no, I. <laughs> It's not like outwardly like la- I'm. I wasn't laughing out loud. Funny. I definitely snickered a, lo- a little bit. There were funny moments. There were interesting asides. I liked that, but it was serious in a lot of parts. And for me, like sometimes it's really hard for like that fluctuating of emotion of funny, like serious, funny, serious. So I didn't really know how to react sometimes. Right. Which is fine. It is. And but I liked it, and it made it, it was it was enjoyable. Out of twenty seven hot dogs, I would probably rate it. 19 light ketchup and a little bit of relish and since he's muslim these are beef hot dogs now for his wife we're going to do pork Pork hot hot dogs dogs. yes
a Secret Weapon production.